friends, you are in for a real treat today and actually the rest of the Thursdays in January because as we approach this new year, we are also talking about a new you, new beginnings. And sometimes this message is overdone. We are not going to be talking about fitness so you can put those tennies aside or actually lace them up, put your earbuds in and listen as we walk because this one is a long one, but it is a good one. So for the next three Thursdays, you're going to hear me interviewing an expert on the topic that they're interviewing on, and you're going to get some real tips for how to start this new year with a little bit more gusto, maybe a little bit more zeal, a little bit more zest than you might have otherwise. Today's guest is a real treat, and she is piggybacking on something that I have taught about. And actually, one of the things, one of my most downloaded episodes of A year and a half worth of podcasting is about this topic. Are you ready? Do you know what it is? Are you guessing? Are you scratching your head thinking, I think I know what it is. It is decluttering. It's true. I'm talking with Emily McDermott. She is the host of the podcast Moms Overcoming Overwhelm, where she teaches the art and the science behind living a more simplified life. And that is heavily emphasized in this idea of decluttering. You've heard me talk about it. And I know you've heard me because it is my most downloaded episode. So thank you so much for listening. But you've heard me talk about how I have a visceral reaction to stuff. So Emily and I go deep today. We talk about why it matters. She gives us some examples of scientific findings that really dive into this idea of why we should pay attention to that feeling that tells us we might have too much. Not that feeling that tells us we're bad, not that feeling that tells us we're wrong or we're hoarders or whatever that negative self-talk is, but the feeling that says the stuff could be robbing life and joy and intentionality from the people that you're living with. Pay attention to that, especially as we begin this new year. We talk about aspirational clutter and how to get rid of the things that are really hard, the emotional things. We talk about where to start and tips for how to do that well. And your sister might be getting just a little bit teary because there's a little bit of vulnerability mentioned in this episode as well. So I invite you to, yeah, go ahead, put on the tennies, put in the earbuds and take a walk around the block or 10 or 20 or however big your block is. Take a lot of walks because this one is a long one, but it is well worth it. And at the end, you will hear me invite you to a 14 day decluttering challenge because I know mamas that not all of us have the ability, the time, the mental space, or even the the idea of knowing where to start when it comes to decluttering our homes. And so I invite you to join me on a 14 day journey. I will again mention it at the end of the show, but that is in uh, my Facebook group and you'll have the link in the show note and the, the decluttering challenge starts Monday. I'm starting whether I have anyone with me or not, but I would sure love the company. I would sure love the support, the encouragement, the accountability. Sisters, come hold my hand because I know it's hard for me and I do it often. (laughs) So come join me, but take a walk and enjoy today's show with Emily. We grew up with the phrase, home is where the heart is, but our culture has shifted and now the message is, Home should be Pinterest perfect. I'm calling BS on that message. Home, it's not about the stuff, it's about the story. And whether you know it or not, your home is a reflection of you and is already saying something. So what is it that you want it to say? Hey, I'm Danny, a former first grade teacher turned home decorator. 
Going from a dual income to a single income so I could stay home with my babies meant budget. Like ramen eating, Goodwill shopping budget. And I learned a few things along the way. Like how to bring big style to your home without breaking the bank. And I'm sharing it all with you. Tips, tricks, decor, and design advice so you can learn to tell your story with your style. Where you can start living free from the Pinterest perfect trap and start living a life of intention. Welcome to Fig and Farm at Home, where we design happy living and where it doesn't have to be perfect to be beautiful. All right. Hi, Emily. Welcome to the show. Yeah. Thanks, Danny. Thanks so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. I've already introduced you to the my listeners, and I'm just wondering if you can tell me a little bit about who you are and what you do and who you serve. Sure. So I'm Emily and I have been married to my husband, Pat, for 14 years and we have two kiddos, two boys, shout out to the boy moms. (laughs) And yeah. And one is six and one is four. And I have been a stay at home mom since my oldest was born. And now I have a podcast called moms overcoming overwhelm. And we met sort of through the podcast space and I'm a decluttering coach. I also write custom poetry. So if anyone has a need for a unique clutter-free gift, yeah. I write poetry for people. And so, yeah, that's a little bit about me. Awesome. What is your podcast called? Mom's Overcoming Overwhelm. Oh, Mom's Overcoming Overwhelm. Awesome. And, you know, I've talked to my listeners a lot about editing and why we would want to do that because clutter for me is very overwhelming. Like there is a visceral response I get when I see it. Um, And so I am so excited to have you and have this conversation because I just want to dive right in. Like I know it's and when I can feel it, I can feel it in my chest. I can feel it in my shoulders. I can feel it. It just makes me start sweating (laughs) when I feel overwhelmed by it. And Thankfully, now I'm at that space where I can feel like I can recognize that feeling and I know it's time. It's time to go back and edit some more, all of that. But um, let's just start by by encouraging my listeners, like, why does it even matter? Why should we think about decluttering and thinking about our space in that way? Yeah, I always have my people that I work with, the people listening to the podcast, go back to what matters most to you. Like that is the foundation. That is the lens by which we're making all of our editing decisions, our decluttering decisions. And so it matters, first of all, because anything that is clutter is something that is in the way of the life that you want to live and impedes your ability to live in alignment with your values and what you say is most important to you. Mm -hmm. So so that's literally what clutter is. It is a blockage um, and all of those things. And that can be obviously the physical clutter, your mental, emotional clutter, calendar clutter, all of these different areas. The other main reason I would say is important is because a lot of times people don't realize that clutter is not neutral. It's actually negatively impacting you as far as your physical health, your emotional health. And there's lots of science to back that up. So when you were mentioning about how you feel it in your body, and I'm the same way, I'm a highly sensitive person. And I didn't quite understand what that meant until recently reading the book, highly sensitive person, but I'm very sensitive to my environment. 
and what's around me. And so and even noise and things like that. And I recognized that I am definitely impacted as far as my physical and emotional health by what is around me. So I'm happy to, I'm a science geek when it comes to this kind of stuff. So I'm happy to go into a couple of the studies just so your listeners realize they're not alone. They're not crazy if they feel how clutter is impacting them in that way. Yes. Please share that. (laughs) I think that's going to be valuable information. Yeah. So one of the main studies has to do with uh, cortisol levels. Of course, that's like one of the main stress hormones. And this was a 2010 study where they followed 30 uh, couples, both who were working, and they asked for tours of the home and talked to both the women and the men to see what words they used to describe their home. And so the women who were describing their homes as messy or cluttered or disorganized, they had uh, higher cortisol levels. Uh, they took saliva samples than people that were saying, oh, it's more like relaxing or homey. Um, also those who described them in more negative terms, they showed greater depression. They showed greater difficulty transitioning to home after coming home from work and they had greater fatigue. So all of that was found in that study. And what was really interesting is that men did not experience the same negative associations as the women. So the cortisol levels were not an issue for the husbands, interestingly enough. Uh, And so the study was saying it may suggest that women may be more sensitive to the home environment or they feel a greater responsibility for the home and home management. And so, um, and I think that especially in the United States, the management of the home is still traditionally seen as, you know, women's domain. And so maybe we feel as women more sensitive to that. So that was one of the main things. Um, Interesting. And then the, yeah, I'm going to interrupt you really quickly. I resonates with me for sure. Because when I, when I'm feeling that visceral response to my space, I will mention it to my husband and he is very much on the mindset of, well, I think it's fine. It doesn't be yeah. all, and he doesn't have that that feeling. In fact, you know, he does have feelings back from you know childhood that kind of creep up. Like my mom made me clean all the time, and I don't want to do that, which I understand completely. But he doesn't. When it comes to clutter, it's not really a a thing. How about you? How about you and your husband? Is that something that you can resonate with? Oh, a little bit. He's actually, since we've been married and since I've been on this um, kind of minimalism, simplicity journey, he has been extremely supportive, but I would say that it definitely doesn't bother him as much as it does me. And I hear that from most of the women that I work with. Also, I find that a lot of them say that their husbands are the ones that want to hold on to things that they want to get rid of. And so um, that makes it a little harder or like there's more collectors. I hear a lot about collections from husbands or having all of their high school stuff, a lot of that kind of thing. And so it is, um, I'm lucky in that I just set the example and um, I'm mostly still responsible because my kids are so young, responsible for their stuff. And so since I'm in charge of my stuff and their stuff, I would always just start with my own stuff, right? And yeah. then make, you know, the offer, "Hey, I'm going to the donation center. Do you have anything you want me to donate?" "Hey, I'm posting something in my local buy nothing group. 
Do you have anything? And over the course of time, my husband has willingly been offering things for me to get rid of. And so it's definitely been a process. It didn't happen overnight, but we're definitely in a good place now about agreeing mostly as to what stays and what goes. Good, good. Oh, that's great. Okay. I, I was interrupting you. So go ahead and tell us what else did you find scientifically? Your The research, what did you I, I get so excited. I'm just like, I just want to tell you all the things. (laughs) So good. Okay. So we talk about, um, you know, our physical health also. So we have sort of the stress and anxiety. And I guess the only other thing I would say about that is that clutter is visual stimulus overwhelm. It sees our brain sees everything as undone tasks. So if you look around your home and you see the clutter, you see it as things that you have to do and it impacts our focus it impacts our attention. And the reason is because it's all in our visual field and our brain is trying to process what's important and what's not. So if you're in a cluttered environment, it's impacting your focus and attention. But as far as our physical health goes, um, one study in 2015 found that people living in a cluttered bedroom are at higher risk for sleep disturbances and lower sleep quality. So that is, we know how important sleep is. And if you're in a cluttered bedroom, it's impacting your sleep. And this one other study I love um, from 2016 found that people in messy kitchens, given the option to eat cookies, crackers, or carrots, picked cookies. Um, And so point being that if we're in a messy kitchen and we're given the option of what to eat, we're more likely to go for the unhealthy food because it is a stress response having all the clutter around us. So um, yeah, sleep and eating, those are some of the other areas that can be impacted by clutter. I can, I can definitely see that, you know, when I, we always tidy up after the, after the end of a meal, but I know if my kitchen is a mess, if the boys have gone and made their lunches and things and it's not tidy and things put away, I know I, I will do exactly that. It might not be the cookie, but it'll definitely be the, I'm going to grab the bag of whatever, rather than I'm going to pull out the carrots and the hummus. It just, I don't want to prep anything if my kitchen is messy. Same thing with my workspace. I mean, if my work zone is really cluttered visually, I call it visual chaos, but if there's visual chaos around me, I'm not productive. And that, I love that. I, that is so helpful for me um, to know that because it, it makes me feel like I'm not quite crazy. <laughs> oh, no, no, you're not crazy at all. And there's one other thing I wanted to mention for two reasons. Number one, at the beginning, we were talking about like, why does it matter? Yeah. And second of all, you, I listened a little bit to kind of your story and your background about growing up and how it impacted you to be yeah. surrounded by clutter. Um, it impacts our kids. So if you are a parent, uh, clutter has a huge impact on children. And one of my favorite books is Simplicity Parenting uh, by Kim John Payne. And he talks about how, especially at a young age, when our kids' brains and bodies are developing, they are so impacted by their senses Mm -hmm. and the environment and the world around them. And so 
clutter is visual and tactile sensory overload for our children. So if you have a bunch of toys and they do what I call, my kids do it too, the dump and go, where they dump everything out and they move on to the next thing and they dump that out and they move on to the next thing. And then they say they're bored and they go do something else. Um, It's because they are so overwhelmed. They don't know what to do. They don't know where to start. They don't know. And we feel that as adults too, right? But but as kids, they're still having this development going on, like I said, in their bodies and their brains. And so if we're able to get rid of that clutter for them and get rid of the choices, that's part of it too. They experience decision fatigue. My six-year-old telling me, mommy, there's too many choices. I don't know what to wear. And I'm the minimalist since 2014, you know? So I'm like, okay, well, you have too much in your drawer. We're going to fix that. So there's not as many choices for you. They can't deal with the overwhelm and all the choices from all the stuff. So if you're not going to do it for yourself, then at least do it for your kids. Right. You know, and Emily, we're not going to talk about decorating today, but I am just going to insert this. That is exactly what I tell all of the mamas who are wanting to know and trying to figure out like, why do I get so overwhelmed when I'm at Target looking at the pillows? It's because there are too many choices Mm -hmm. and you really can simplify things, but yeah. Yep. I resonate with that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So these, this is a lot of good information, a lot of really, I love that this is scientifically based. It's not just us mamas who are like, let's get rid of all the stuff, <laughs> but now what, like what, how do you get started? If you are looking at this visual chaos and you're surrounded by it and you are overwhelmed I know where I think it's easiest to start, but I would love to hear your opinion. Where do you tell your mamas to start? Yeah, definitely. And you are spot on that, you know, we want to, you want to start small always, right? Um, And I always recommend starting in the most unemotional, unsentimental place that you can possibly think of. And this was recommended to me a while ago and I just love it, your car. So a lot of times it's like, wait, it's not even in my house. Well, yes, it's not in your house. And the reason that that's a great place to start is that it's a very small contained area. You're usually in it a fair amount, especially if you're the quintessential taxi driver for your children, (laughs) for example. And it's really easy to figure out what's trash you know, what needs to come out of the car, what belongs there, what doesn't, you're not having to make these agonizing decisions about things. And so it really helps you strengthen what I call your decision-making muscles when it comes to um, editing and decluttering. The second being the bathroom and the medicine cabinet in the bathroom, because as I always say, I've never seen anyone get choked up over getting rid of expired medication. So it's like just it's easy to make the decisions. Yeah. And you gain momentum and then you can kind of move on, you know, never start with the sentimental stuff. Never, in my opinion, don't start with your closet. Mm -hmm. Don't start anywhere where it's sort of this, what I call aspirational clutter. So it's reminding you of a season of your life that was, or something that you want to be. And so you're like, well, I could read all of these books if only I had the time and I could do all of these crafts that are in my crafting room, but I haven't done anything with them for a year and a half because I have a, you know, a baby or whatever. And so it's like, focus on the most unemotional, unsentimental place, start small. Like you said, I always say, what time can you devote? And then usually if it's 15 minutes, 
great. You can listen to one of our podcasts, you know, or an episode or two and get it done, check it off. And all the small stuff matters and it adds up and it's all helping. And so that would be what I Yeah. And then it's like, you can see the results, right? So if you're starting in your medicine cabinet, then you can work outward into the greater bathroom. And you're right. It is so not emotional. It is really easy to say, I, you know what, that makeup I bought for that party five years ago, I probably should not use that anymore. I probably should not have that. It's an easy decision to make. And I love that, but you can also see the result and you can sometimes, if you are attached to it, like I am, it, you start feeling that weight lifted. Yeah. When, like, if you were to say, okay, mama, let's start with those things that are not, let's exercise that muscle. We're starting in a place that is super, not emotional. Where would they go after I kind of include pantry in that too. I feel like it's Mm -hmm. pantry is it's expired, you get rid of it. If you have too much, maybe let's donate to the food bank. Um, yeah. What happens next? Where Where would you recommend to send your mama? Yeah, it's really funny because I'm doing a 30-day decluttering challenge in my Facebook group and I'm trying to go from that in that progression. And we're just now getting to the, okay, we've kind of gotten through all of the unemotional stuff. Right. And where do we go now? I would say probably like the living areas of your home, like the living room or the family room, the den, kind of those like mixed use common areas. And the reason is that you want to be able to um, have the space to perform the function of the space, right? So the living room, you need to be living in it. You need to be enjoying time, you know, as a family there. So there's definitely an incentive for that. Um, there is going to be some question marks because not all the stuff is yours and your responsibility. You're going to probably have to ask for some input, but it's not so much like I was saying, I think where we get really caught up at the end of going through everything is our closets when it comes to, again, I, I say aspirational clutter, the clothes that fit us, you know, two kids and 10 pounds ago, the dress that we thought we were going to wear and we never do, the things that make us feel bad about where we are in this season. So that's kind of really hard. And then obviously the sentimental items, um, you know, things that, again, represent the past. We feel like we should hang on to them or gifts from family. Right. Uh, and I always say that should be at the very end. And so then it's more like, okay, what are areas that I share the space with other people? I can get some of their input, but it's still somewhat easy to make some of these decisions. Right. Yeah. Okay. So I love that. Let's talk about our closets for a second, because one of, one of the rules of thumbs I have, I can't quite convince my my kiddos and my husband yet. But one thing I do is if I go and I buy a new shirt, I try to get two out of my closet in order to make space for that one. Um, And then I know that we have all of these like ideas. We can, you know, look on Pinterest, how to declutter. We can watch the Netflix series on how to declutter. We can even sit in front of the hoarding show and like, (laughs) you know, watch that and think maybe I should not do that. But here's one that we all know, and it's the idea of dumping everything into one pile, picking up each piece as we go and saying, you know, do you find joy in it or whatnot? I know my opinion about that. 
I'm curious what you think. And you don't know this question is coming, Lisa. I am surprising that's you. That's okay. What what you, you can see my face. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's exactly what my face is doing. I do not like that. Yeah. See, tell me what you think about it and uh, what your approach would be. Yeah. No, that's a great question. Um yeah, I think that for the the people that I work with, and I'm sure um, people you work with, a lot of them are in this overwhelmed space where they're not going to be like, let me take everything out. And oh, how do I feel about this? <laughs> Meanwhile, the baby's on the hip and the kids are like pulling on your leg and mommy, I want a snack. And, yeah. you know, it's just not real life to like be able to do that. Yeah. And so I really, again, as much as we can take the emotion out of the decision-making, recognizing, again, we're always going back to what matters to us and realizing how it's impacting our health. Right. Like when you know something is impacting your health, have that in your family's health, have that be always in the back of your mind. I like using what's called the container rule or the container concept. I'm not the one that came up with this. I think it's Dana K. White. And it really is what is the physical space that you have? I, you, you talked about this in your yeah. podcast recently, the real estate that you've allotted for the certain thing. Right. And you need to come up with artificial physically, physical boundaries, excuse me, artificial physical boundaries for said things. So if everything is kind of crammed in there, let's start with what you are wearing. Notice what you are wearing, just your day to day for let's say maybe like a two week period the things that you're always gravitating towards. I've seen people do the reverse hanger trick where you put all the hangers backwards. And as you wear things, you put the hanger forward. So we're not taking everything out. We're not putting everything on the bed. You know, we don't really have time to do that. And even if we had time to start, we wouldn't have time to finish. And then where are we going to sleep? You know, (laughs) so just pay attention to the things that you gravitate towards. And then you wear for a couple of weeks and then say, okay, well, I'm going to designate this section of my closet. Use tape if you want to. I don't know. From here to here, these are going to be this category of shirt. These are going to be my sweaters. This is going to be the bin where I have my, you know, jeans or whatever. And then you're going to just within that small amount, using the things that you've actually been wearing, Mm -hmm. putting back the favorite leggings, the favorite jeans, see how those fit. And then for the maybes, see if there's any room for the maybes. And if there's not room for the maybes, you don't keep the maybes. You're using a container. That is the boundary. You stay within the boundary and that makes it less emotional. Exactly. And, you know, the idea is we don't want to create more container space for it to use that word. We don't want to create more container space. We want to use what we have. My husband does that. He, um, it's his way of knowing what to wear to work. He's a white collar guy. So he has to wear fancy things and he will take his shirts. Mine are all like color coordinated and all of that. And he will take his first one in the row. That's the one he wears. And then he moves it to the back. And that could be an idea too. But I love that idea of you can really see when you're deciding, you can turn the hanger backwards and see, am I actually wearing this? Emily, I haven't done this yet, but I feel like I could have and probably should have a capsule wardrobe because mm. I wear the same things over and over and over again. I just, I like what I like and I don't like what I don't like. And um, I, I would probably do very well with that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, same thing. And actually, you know, there's always kind of like the 
I'm going to say the Pinteresty words for things. Yeah. So capsule wardrobe, of course, is very like Pinteresty in my opinion. For me, it really is a reduction of my decisions and my choices. And yeah. so I don't even have to look at it because I'm not a super stylish person, <laughs> but I know what I like and I know what fits me and I know what is fitting my body and my season of motherhood and the season of the year. And so I just say, I want to limit my choices and decisions and have that not be an area where I have to think about it. And so I'm going to have my closet reflect that. And so it's a capsule wardrobe, but it's not necessarily like, let's have these pants can go with this shirt and this scarf and this handbag. Like, I don't do any of that. I'm just like, less less choices, things that fit me don't have to think about it. That's my version of a capsule wardrobe. Right. right. Yep. Absolutely. And we naturally do that, honestly, when we go on vacation, right? So you're already practicing that that muscle, if you want to call it that, when we have our container of the suitcase and we have to figure out which, cause we can't take everything. So which are the things? Yeah. yeah. So what happens? Yeah. That's a great analogy. Yeah. So what happens then, Emily, when we get to the things that are a little bit more sentimental, um, a little bit more attached to our heartstrings, like, you know, photos or, pictures or, you know, the, the things that like the, the outfits that were so cute on our babies, or, you know what I mean? Like that we just want to remember what, what happens with that or the great art that our kids bring home. Ah, yes. The artwork. (laughs) (laughs) That is a huge one. That is a huge one. Okay. So a couple of suggestions and, um, sentimental items, of course, we're going to just say it again. You don't start with it. You're going to have it be at the end. And I think the most, one of the most important things is to understand or recognize that every sentimental item, there's a story and a memory around it that should be captured somewhere outside of your own brain and your own mind. And so we want to, and again, I, I listened to your episode you're talking about, you know, your home is like a canvas for your storytelling. And I thought that was so profound because you want the things that you own to be meaningful and to reflect these stories and memories that we have. Yeah. But if everything is in dusty bin somewhere and you don't like even remember what you have and what you don't have, that is not storytelling. That's just holding on to a bunch of stuff that you don't know how to make decisions about. So the first thing would be, is there a way that I can capture this memory or um, this story around this item? And that could be a voice memo to yourself. It could be even just telling your kids like what it is and why it's important to you. And then do I need to have the physical item in order to still enjoy that memory? And the answer may be yes, maybe no. So I always say, does this item represent a wound or a scar? And what I mean by that is if it's a wound, it's still something that you're working through and you're not quite ready to let go. But if it's something that it's like either a scar, meaning that it's like you're healing from it. If it's something that's, you know, difficult, like the death of a family member, or I don't know, like a miscarriage even, or something like that. Um, you're, you know, you're healing from it, then it could be possible that you'd be willing to let go of it. If you're able to sort of capture that memory, you can take 
a photo of it. You can, again, have these different ways of capturing the memory. And even for the things that are not necessarily um, super emotional or, or something like that, recognizing whether it represents a positive or a negative memory for example, um, if you search for what to do with your old yearbooks, I'm like one of the top Google results. <laughs> Fun fact. Um, because I wrote an article years back called I Give You Permission to Throw Away Your Yearbook, which I guess is somewhat controversial. Yeah. Um, and the reason is that I looked through mine after keeping it in my home for 20 years because it's my yearbook and that's just what you do. Right. And I pulled it out and I was like, I don't remember any of these people. I don't remember so much of this high school. I was a band geek. Like I was not popular by any means. And so why am I keeping this thing that is representing this emotional history and memories that are not actually happy for me. And even though it takes up that little physical space, it takes up so much emotional space. Right. So you have to recognize that too, about sentimental things, how much emotional space is it taking up? And is it actual positive emotion or a negative emotion? And we do not want to surround ourselves with negative emotions, right? So right. I decided, even though it was like the thing to do to keep your yearbook, that I was going to get rid of mine. And then I felt that burden lifting, that lightening of I'm letting go of a part of my past that wasn't that happy. And I'm embracing the now and who I am now. So sentimental stuff is, there's a lot to it, but hopefully that answered some of the questions. Oh, that's really important, I think, to recognize like, that what that emotion is for you and to know I I really love that Emily because you know for me my experience might be opposite of yours in in that high school thing and so those yearbooks for me are a oh my gosh remember this this is so great but but I can see those moments of where it wouldn't be and where yeah. having that visual reminder right there, or those kiddos then going over to it and saying, what mommy tell me, you know, that's, that's emotional. And you have to mm -hmm. be in space to be ready to depart with that. You know, a few years ago, my mom passed away and my dad was ready to just get rid of everything. Um, and so what happened was I wasn't, but I was the only one helping him. And so I brought it all home to my house wow. and stuff. And she was a crafter and I, I got that gene from her. It was so wonderful. <clears throat> it took me a year to be able to say, and this wasn't emotional stuff. It was emotional because it was my mom, but all of her extra scissors and her, you know, all the things she needed to sew. She was a, a wonderful seamstress. It took me a year to be able to say, I think I don't, I definitely don't need all this. And I definitely don't need a scissor to remind me of mom but the yeah. home program would probably really, really, and I'm going to get a little teary benefit oh. from having her things. And yeah. now Emily, my boys are going through home ec at the school oh. too. And they don't know what's mom's stuff they're using. They don't know. Yeah. Or grandma to them, but I know. And it makes mm -hmm. me so happy. Oh, oh, I'm so glad that you shared that. And it is, it's when that, when that wound of that grief, you know, it's starting to heal and it's going to take different time for everyone, right? We know that, but we don't always think about it in regards to the stuff that we have from the people that we love. And when you recognize like there's still 
there's still use in this. There's still benefit that someone else that can have that can have, and then be able to enjoy the right. things that your loved one enjoyed and that was so important to them. That's such a gift to yeah. be able to give that. Right. And then of course your kids are benefiting too. So, oh my gosh, I absolutely love that story. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, you're welcome. And it even doesn't have to be that emotional thing. I mean, even if I'm going through my closet and I'm thinking, gosh, I think I'm done with this. Someone else can really enjoy it. I mean, you know, you think about, I don't know if you visit thrift stores or not. I do for my business. I, I curate product for my brick and mortar store. And there's stories everywhere. If you, you know, approach the thrift store in that mindset, there's stories everywhere. This is, this is people's history. And knowing that when I gift those things there, I'm contributing to that idea, but also I'm then I hope benefiting someone else who might not be able to afford the brand new dish set or the brand yeah. new that I am no longer attached to. Yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, you had mentioned before um, in, in your episode on this topic about not getting hung up on selling. And I feel like that is just an important mindset to be able to adopt because I, I use my local buy nothing group a ton and it's people that are within one to two miles of where I live. You know, they're going to actually show up. They're like your literal neighbors and you're gifting these things. And that's, it's a gift economy is what they call it. So instead of like, okay, I'm going to see if I can get $5 for this on Facebook marketplace. And then I'm going to have three people cancel and flake on me. And then I'm going to debate whether I should reduce it to $3 Meanwhile, you've spent like three hours of your time doing it. Right. I would rather just be like, this can benefit my actual neighbor, like teachers. I am donating most of the kids' stuff to preschool teachers. They're so appreciative. And then you know that you're able to benefit someone without getting so hung up on what you paid for it and what you might be able to get for it. So I'm a big proponent of focus on the benefit that you could give someone and try not to focus so much on the selling part. Right. Exactly. Because when you do, it just sits out in the garage and it is one of those, it's going (laughs) to cause clutter and visual chaos in another area of your home. It's like Mm -hmm. clutter displacement is what it is. Right. And move it from one stack to the other and don't really make any progress, even though you think you're making progress. It's just, yeah, I have, um, I've heard it called the, the stuff shuffle. I really like that (laughs) stuff shuffle. Cause you're literally like, Oh, someone's coming over or whatever. Let me take all the stuff on this countertop. I'm just going to shove it into the room. And then when I remember it's in the room, okay, now I'm going to pretend I'm going to go to the donation store to donation center today. Let me put it in my trunk, but really it's just going to sit in my trunk for two months, you know? So really is you do have to have some discipline and, and follow through for sure, because otherwise it's just going to sit in another place and that's not any better. Right. Right. Exactly. The stuff shuffle. I love it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And I like to tell my girls too, my mama's, you know, when you're, when you're going through and decluttering, you have the time, but also make sure that you have the time to actually go to the donation center or, you know, if it, yeah. hubby goes by work every day and it's right there, you know, goes by the donation center, it's right there have them take it with them. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Emily, that was so wonderful. Are there any other tips you would have for my listeners? And before you, we sign off, I guess the only one would be knowing that you're not alone in this and just the number of 
women that I have that will come into the Facebook group and just the complete overwhelm with everything that is going on. Unfortunately, it seems like that's actually the norm (laughs) nowadays. And so um, knowing that you're not the only one going through this, but also that if you're someone like me, that you really want the accountability and you want to be able to know that these small steps are adding up and they do help and they do matter. And that you can in that short little, like I hear it called like the mom cracks of the day, like the 10 or 15 minutes you have here or there that you can be like, okay, I'm going to look through this one shelf. I'm going to look through the one drawer or you're doing laundry and you realize there's things that don't fit the kids anymore as you're doing the laundry, like trying to incorporate it into the fabric of your life and your day. And then being able to find a supportive community that can cheer you on because it is hard to prioritize it with everything else that we have going on, but it's so important to our health. And like I said, the health of us and our kids, and it's worth it for us and the life that we want to live to get everything else out of the way that's preventing us from living it. So start small, find support. And if you need a cheerleader, I'm here. And yeah. you can, you can do it. Awesome. Tell us about your Facebook group. Cause it sounds like that could be a really wonderful place for these listeners to go to. Oh, sure. Yeah. So it's just a free Facebook group. Uh, of course, now I'm going to forget the exact name of it. That's okay. <laughs> Decluttering. Send me, send me the link and I will put it in the show notes. Okay, great. I think it's decluttering tips and support for overwhelmed moms. I'm pretty okay. sure. And, um, so I do some behind the scenes of like my own home and sort of the systems. Cause I always say you have to have systems around the stuff once you're able to kind of plow through those initial layers. And then also we do like decluttering challenges that are usually just 10 or 15 minutes a day and checking in and just supporting each other and me understanding where are people getting stuck and then being able to provide that, that free support. And I've been doing some free discovery calls too, just with people that um, want some guidance specifically on getting things out of their home, but also what's coming into their home, which is a whole other topic and being able to really stop that stuff stream that's coming in or at least know how to manage it. So yeah, I would love to connect with people there. Awesome. Okay. I'll put that in the show notes as well as the link to your podcast so that people can listen and gain all the wisdom because we don't want to be stuff shufflers <laughs> and we constantly, right. and I, I really love your, your, um, the visual you're creating with these words you're using, even the stuff of stream stuff. What did you say? Stuff stream, the stuff stream. Stuff yeah. Stream. Really <laughs> visualize that, you know, it does come in, it comes in every single day in the form of your mail. It comes in when you go to the mall and you grab a shirt, it comes in when kiddos bring home, the artwork and I am doing air quotes right now, <laughs> the yeah. artwork school and you're making decisions. And I've heard it say, said before, and you alluded to this earlier that, you know, clutter is like decisions you haven't yet made. Right. It's, yeah. Um, and I think that's very true. So we want to be strong decision makers so that we can live in our homes in the way that they're intended for us to be living in. So I appreciate your time today, Emily. And, um, can't wait for my mamas to connect with you too, so that we can start living the lives that we are called to live with the people we're called to serve. Thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me, Danny. It was really great talking with you. 
All right, mamas, are you so incredibly inspired to stop being stuff shufflers? I love her imagery, the words that she used to describe what it is that we do with our stuff. I've used the word stuff manager, but I really like the idea of a stuff shuffler. I'm ready to stop shuffling my stuff, and I hope you are too. And if you would like to join me on a 14-day decluttering challenge. It is a free, let's just get some of this stuff out of our homes so that we can start living the lives that we want to be living so that the stuff can't get in the way of the people that we are serving, the people that we love, the people that we're sharing our space with. If you would like to join me, I want you to pop into my Facebook group. And in there, you're going to see an announcement tomorrow, actually, that invites you to join me on a 14-day decluttering journey. It's free. It's fun. It's going to be a space where you get tips daily. You get a little bit of accountability and encouragement along the way. You get a little bit of hand-holding as we walk through side-by-side because I'm going to be doing it too, sisters. When you declutter, you don't finish. It is something that you might do to a level that you're happy with, and then you have to maintain because like Emily said, we have a stream, we have the stuff stream still coming in, right? (laughs) And we still have to make decisions on those things. So come on in. If you're inspired by today's show, come on in to the Facebook group. The link will be in the show notes and join me on a free 14 day decluttering challenge. It starts Monday and I'll see you there. Hey, real quick before you go, if you learned something new or found value in today's podcast, Would you head over to iTunes to Fig and Farm at Home and leave a review and subscribe to the show? That would be awesome. And if you'd like to connect with my community of mamas who are learning to be intentional storytellers within their own homes, join us at bit.ly forward slash design 101 group. There's always more room at the table. See you soon.